It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This man's a superstar. He's a journalist that's making plenty of splashes in the world of thoroughbred racing. Bren O'Brien from thestraight.com.au joins us. He joins me every Wednesday for the Wednesday debate, and we'll be debating a few of these issues, I would imagine, tomorrow as well. Hello to you, Bren. Thanks for your time, mate. Let's have a chat about this situation with Racing Victoria to kick off proceedings with Gil McLaughlin. It's been reported that he's basically he's, he's close to signing on as chairman of Racing Victoria. Now, this has been a much talked about appointment now since basically Brian Kruger left that role as chairman of Racing Victoria. They tell me that Gil had to be persuaded by a few of the racing stakeholders in the last six months to take on this role because it's not going to be an easy role with some tough decisions to be made, especially in the state of Victoria regarding prize money and with the, the challenges with turnover at the moment. So I, I would imagine that he would have to be briefed and um, have an understanding of the challenges in front of him. But it sounds like that he's close to signing, which I think personally, and I mentioned this at the top of the show, it's it'll be good for racing. It'll be certainly good for the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big profile, high profile signing. So, you know, it's a significant move from Racing Victoria, assuming they were able to get this over the line and get... Uh, Gillen McLaughlin into this role. But, I mean, there's a little bit to play on that. The next month or so, we'll tell a few stories. Um, and I guess beyond that, I guess, you know, obviously Gillen's the headline number, but the key around this is then what sort of board does he have to work with? And then what does that board envision going forward for the strategy of racing Victoria? And does that align with what we've seen previously and with what the executive are doing at the moment? Well, I reckon that for Gil to sign, he'll have to have a couple of board members that he wants on his side and he'll bring in a couple of new board members, I would imagine, as well because there are changes set to be with the board there at Racing Victoria. There's at least two or three changes that have to be implemented because Greg Nichols and also, of course, Mike Hurst, the current chair, are departing the board and they'll vacate by probably, they might be a little earlier than June 30, but at least by June 30. So there's some changes there that have to be made. So if Gil does take over, I would imagine that he would be wanting some um, people in place around him that he's confident in that can help him do what he wants to do with racing Victoria. Yeah, I think what you know what Gil wants, you know, they'll they'll try to you know work with him on those demands. I guess the other challenge is, is what what uh, the broader participant base want. Now the you know the the call of the special general meeting, which will be held on February 28, was 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 prompted by the actions of primarily the actions of Trower and by their chairman Jonathan Munns to call for the board to have a special general meeting, and that's what's precipitated, I suppose, this change of approach in this in this in this change. So it's it's an interesting situation whereby Gill will probably get what try to get what he wants to get out of it, but I I think if yeah you know, this you know, prolonged 
argument's probably a polite way of putting it, that's been going on for the last six months of Victorian racing about where things sit. I think if that's going to be resolved, and there might be, have to be a little bit of uh, trading done in terms of in, in terms of who gets what and in terms of the, the board and where things sit. And then, yeah, the question is like, how many... I guess there's two questions. How many seats will there be in the board? I guess who will, follow, who, will, who will fill them? But then the secondary question is, what does that mean for the current executive? Obviously, we've had uh, Troa calling for the resignation yeah. of, of Andrew Jones on one, on one hand, and where does that sit moving forward with the change in the executive at Racing Victoria? I guess the major challenge for whoever takes over, and Anthony Carbines, the minister, has got to make this appointment as well. And we haven't heard from, as Wayne Hawkes said there yesterday on, on Giddy Up on the means test, we haven't heard from the Minister of Racing. Once again, he's refused to comment about speculation, which is understandable. But it's an interesting time in racing regarding... So if you're Gil McLaughlin, you're sitting there at the moment, you're talking to people uh, in the industry, um, on the board, I would imagine, also um, major stakeholders of this beautiful game of ours. So if you're Gil McLaughlin, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well... First of all, I need to try and bring this game together. I can't have an organisation which ironically, like Troll, which ironically is funded by Racing Victoria <laughs> and now is trying to bring down the executive Racing Victoria, that you need to get people like Jonathan Munns on your side or understand the landscape of this game and you need to be on the same. Obviously, you can have healthy debate, but I think you need to be generally on the same path as some of the major stakeholders. So I think that's a challenge to bring everybody together. And then secondly, you need to get everybody of the understanding about some of the major challenges that racing's facing at the moment. And the biggest challenge that racing is facing at the moment is that their house is burning down around them. Because if the turnover continues to fall like it has over the last couple of years, and once again, they tell me it's 10, 10%, 12% down on, on previous year, on the previous year, that's a massive concern for racing because that's millions and millions of dollars that's not going back into the industry. And when you were flying and you were increasing prize money, it's hard to sustain those prize money levels because it's, as I said at the top of the show today, it's business 101. You can't spend money that you haven't got. Yeah, there's more money going out than there is money going in at the moment, Brent. Yeah, I think what the, also put in the context of the fact, Gareth, that Victorian racing is going through a major transition in its funding model. You know, and at the end of this financial year, they'll move away from the, the Tabcourt joint venture model, which has funded racing for the last 30 years, um, and, and the state government's agreement with the Victorian racing industry is around about you know, a 50 50 share of the point of consumption tax. Now, the point of consumption tax, that's a, it is a good deal. And, and there's no doubt that's a good deal for the industry. And, and Racing Victoria and Andrew Jones told, told me recently that he's confident that they'll be better off for that deal. But the challenge is, if a point consumption tax is inevitably linked to the amount of money that comes out of, out of, uh, out of wagering, if that's dropping, then the amount of point of consumption tax will drop and the share will drop as well. And that will have a compounding effect on the politics. So now Gil McLaughlin's challenge, you know, assuming he takes this role, is not just to lead Victorian racing sort of back to the peace table and everybody's sort of on the same page. It's also to negotiate a really, really, really tricky environment coming forward. As you said, complicated by the fact that there's a decline in wagering, but also a very different funding environment. So there's a, a lot of balls in the air here and there's a lot of challenges. And I'm sure that 
maybe this wasn't the the, 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 the cushy post AFL role role that Gil might have envisioned. But um, from all reports, he's uh, willing to take on the role, and you know, a few a few boxes to be ticked yet. But it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out over the you know the coming sort of twelve months or so. Which is exciting for the game because obviously he doesn't have to do this role, Gil, and he could have so many other different job offers as well. And I would imagine as chairman of RV, I don't know how much you get paid for that but um, you could make more money elsewhere. And it won't be his full-time job, of course. But he, he would be thinking, all right, then, if I'm going to make change or if I'm going to make a difference here, first of all, I need the government on side. So I would imagine that he'd be doing a lot of talking to Anthony Carbines and then obviously with the industry as well to see how it's travelling and what they think that needs to be done. So, um, And then obviously he's got to get on with well with the three clubs. So... It's going to be interesting to see how, what kind of chairman is he, Chairman Gill is. Is he a chair that we see a lot of, or is it a chair that he takes a backward seat and directs from afar? Um, his relationship with Racing New South Wales, whether he would go to war with Peter Volandis and play that type of game, or he will try and bring those two states together. I think it's going to be interesting to see what kind of chair he is if he does take up that, that position. I think the um, you know, if he thought that uh, the, the footy politics was brutal, he might be <laughs> he might be in for a bit of yeah. education in racing politics because there are fourteen different stakeholder participants, uh, participant stakeholders in, in Victoria, all of which want to want a piece of the pie. And as as Racing Victoria found out, and Andrew Jones has found out, that pleasing all those people is not easy. Now that's not necessarily Gill's job; it's the executive's job to do that. And I guess the key part of part of what goes forward with Racing Victoria about what is what that looks like. So it's a very, very interesting point. And yeah, it is a big challenge for him. It, it won't be, a, you know, as I said, it's not a cushy job. Um, you know, he'll have other things on his on his plate as well. But I, I think um, obviously very high profile and, and, you know, one of the most high profile chairmen we've ever had of Racing Victoria, as we said, assuming all this comes to pass in the next month or so. And I, and I think that Gil gets it in a way. I, I want to see administrators in this game. They've got a passion for the sport. Gil has a passion for the game. It's been in his blood, um, since he was a boy, the McLaughlins love their racing. Um, they're a proud racing family. Hamish is involved with Magic Millions. Um, um, I think they, they understand the wagering side of it. They understand they've owned horses. They've got connections um, at all levels of the racing industry as well. So I think that um, whatever happens, it'll be a major win for racing if, if Gil does go down that path and becomes chairman of Racing Victoria. Which is which is exciting for everybody, I think. Um, it, do, it, it does tie up that sort of thing that if racing, you know, Melbourne's a footy town and it is a footy town, it's also a racing town as well. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's involved at both, had been involved at one and is now look like to be involved at the other, does say something for racing sort of foothold within within uh, yeah within the Victorian mindset. What's the situation going on with racing New South Wales? It seems that Peter Volandis is always in court these days, and I never thought I would see the day that they would take on Tabcorp. They've always had a wonderful relationship with Tabcorp. Obviously, their biggest um, their, their their biggest partner. Not only has Peter Volandis been able to get a, some great deals done with Tabcorp over the over the time, but I think one of the the greatest achievements that he's been able to do with racing New South Wales and Tabcorp has controlled the narrative when it comes to Sky Racing, and he doesn't have to pay the millions say that Racing Victoria does with Racing dot com. But now they they want to go down different paths. It sounds like and. Um, they're in court at the moment. So um, do you think we can sort this out or is it the situation that it might get a little uglier in New South Wales regarding Tabcorp and racing New South Wales? It just comes down to money, Gareth. It comes down to getting a better deal and both parties want a better deal for their 
the arrangement that they've got, the existing... Well, there's a 99-year arrangement which was signed back in 1998, which you know, basically gives Tabcorp a, 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 the, the licence to operate the, the, the tote in, in New South Wales. However, the exclusive aspect of that licence only runs for 2033, so we've got about nine years left to run of that. Um, what, what New South Wales are seeing, what Racing New South Wales are seeing is what's happening in Racing Queensland and what's happening in Victoria is that their deals are being renegotiated with better, with, in the end, Longer term, better, better term, better returns for the for the for the PRAs. You know, yeah. or the the funding model in Racing New South Wales is slightly different to to Victoria, but basically what they're looking for is a, is a better deal on there. Tabcorp want a better deal in terms of their freedom and their way to operate. I think this is all part of a negotiation process, and I think longer term they'll they'll see what they are. But I think it just it's just a sign of the fact that Tabcorp's in a very different space to probably what they were three or four years ago. And Racing New South Wales is looking to, to, to maximise its returns and, and ensuring it's getting the best deal. And I, I, at this stage, that means that they're, you know, they're in, in, in difference, enough difference to sort of see it in court. And apparently there's a hearing this week uh, in, uh, in the Supreme Court, a directions hearing, which will be interesting to see what comes out of that. But I, I think that in the longer term, this is all part of a negotiation and we'll see you know, the, 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 the Tabcorp deal in New South Wales probably end up reflecting something a little bit different. Okay, is it... What will it mean for racing then in New South Wales? Will we see, will it be positive for the revenue streams going back into the industry or because tab at the end of the day have always been, um, they've always been terrific in the way that they've been able to, to give back to the game as well. Yeah, I, mean, I guess that the challenge is, is, is Tab have always had a stated goal. Tab Corp have had a, have a stated goal to get a, what they call a level playing field yeah. with the other with the other wagering providers. Now, what the definition of that in terms of you know them compared to their competitors, you can you can argue about. But what they're saying is what Tab Corp are saying is they want a level playing field and they want the similar conditions. They have achieved that in in every other state and will achieve that in Victoria this year. Obviously not in WA because they're not in WA, but the other states. I think SA might be another one. They haven't quite got over the line yet, but New South Wales is the big one where they say they want a level playing field. Now, comparatively, um, New South Wales currently receives, industry receives, I think, 33% cut of point of consumption tax. They probably want an increase in that. So they're looking for a bit of a change in that model, and Tabcorp's looking for, you know, what they see as a level playing field in order to achieve that. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I, yeah. I think I think in the long run, you know, they'll, they'll pack things up if it's both in their mutual interest. They just need to find common ground uh, I don't know if that common ground sits in, in the Supreme Court, but it certainly, uh, I guess, accelerates the need for change. It's an interesting time in racing, especially in our two biggest states. Thanks for that, Brent. We'll catch up with you tomorrow, mate. And what no, can we, what's on the um, straight.com.au? Any big stories breaking? Obviously, the classic sales just around the corner. What can we read on your publication? Yeah, we've got the, the classic sales coming up this week, obviously. But no, at the moment, there's a bit of a, there's a, bit of a, a feature there on uh, on Toronado, who's flying at the yes. moment um, in Hong Kong. They're two big winners the last couple of weeks. So so things going going well there. And there's a little bit of a piece, a review piece of Caraca, Gareth. I know you were there last week, and we spoke about the increased Australian investment. Well, I've done the maths, and actually there wasn't an increased Australian investment at all. Now, whether that was just a quirk of figures or whatever it was, it does sort of paint a different uh, tale of the fact that it was the Kiwi investment that actually drove a lot of the growth at Caracas, which is great for the local industry, but a little bit different than the story that we're told. So you can okay. always go to au and have a look on there. Yeah, that is interesting. A lot of prize money going into New Zealand at the moment with Entain doing the deal. There's a lot of positive... Um, there's a lot of positivity around racing in, in New Zealand with the, the different changes there and the prize money increases. So it's understandable that the Kiwis there have got a little bit more faith back into their, to the game. So they can, they can spend a little bit of money knowing that um, if they do find a good horse, they can get rewarded.
Yeah, and I, I think also that the uh, the results at the at the ready to run sale last year was so positive yeah. that a lot of the um, the pinhook investors sort of came to the came to the fore there at Caracas and were keen to pick up good horses that they were able to sell again in, in November. So there's a real positive sort of vibe, and one thing feeds the other, and that's positive for the New Zealand industry. And yeah, it's just, it was just an interesting point to look back through that yeah. and go, actually, the Kiwis are, are investing with confidence. And it's not just David Ellis. I think there was 162 buyers, Kiwi buyers at Karaka this, this time last year. There's 200 this year. So there's an extra you know, almost 40 people involved signing for horses. That's a positive for the industry. I think there's a couple of points there. I think it was difficult for the Australians to get into the market because of the popularity. Like David Ellis was hard to beat. And he's obviously got more money with the success that Tiako Racing's been able to have, especially headed by Imperatree. So he proved that at Magic Millions and he proved that once again at Karaka. And then you've got a situation like, um, the New Zealand industry a little bit more healthier, so they're spending more money. And then the Asians love coming to New Zealand because they think it's a lucky sale in a way. And then the pinhookers want to play because they think they can make a profit there, heading towards like the, the ready to run sale. So it's not as easy as it it used to be, I don't think, for the Australian buyers to get into into that market. No, and they're incentivised too because you know, that, that, yeah, there was that terrific run of New Zealand breed winners coming out of Australian Group 1 races late last season, which sort of highlighted the opportunities available through New Zealand and then sort of has, has sort of, yeah, again, yeah, revamped their reputation in that space. So, yeah, it does make it a more competitive market. Still, the average price was you know, a tick under $100,000. So over the last five years, sorry, the last six years, I think the average price uh, at Caracas has been still under $100,000, which is still pretty good buying if you're buying horses that have got you know, such a strong record. So it was a good, yeah, you know, it was another good week for um, New Zealand bloodstock and positive for them. But I, I think it says something about where the New Zealand industry is headed and that perhaps the uh, the easy pickings that Australian trainers and Australian agents have had over there in recent years won't be as easy coming forward. Yeah, well said, mate. Thanks for that, Brent. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Gareth. There's Brent O'Brien from thestraight.com.au.